Testing one, two, three, one, two, three, testing. I'm Ben McAdams, and I represent Utah's fourth congressional district. Before I was elected last November, I was the mayor of Salt Lake County. It's my belief that Washington might work better if we thought about governing the country the way mayors approach leading their communities. In this podcast, I'm hoping to show you what being a member of Congress is really like and whether it's possible to run this country the way we run our local governments. Welcome to Washington. So this week is the conference for the National League of Cities, which is, you know, cities, uh, mayors, and council members from across the country. And they come to Washington every March for a conference. And most of the time while they're here, cities will get up onto Capitol Hill and try to meet with their congressional delegations. So they were making the rounds and stopped by to meet with me today. I'm meeting with some more mayors tomorrow. So this morning I touched base with Mark Shepard, who's the mayor of Clearfield, and then uh, later in the day had a meeting with John Pike, the mayor of St. George. Interestingly, neither of those cities are in my district. But, you know, I think I try to meet with people when they, you know, if my schedule allows, try and make time for people who have a reason to meet with me. And a lot of our issues in a state, a smaller state like Utah's, our issues uh, transcend boundaries. So, you know, the mayor of St. George was talking to me about the airport, which is important to people in my district who commute to and from St. George, and there are a lot of reasons why, you know, they wanted me to be aware of what issues they're working on. All right, so here with Mayor Pike of St. George. Mayor, it's so great to see you here in Washington, and we were just talking about some of the issues that St. George is facing and how Uh, how I can work with you to support you on some of those issues. And I just want to talk for a second. You know, part of my premise in in doing this is that Washington can actually learn a lot from our cities and our mayors, Um, Republican or Democrat. Mayors are pragmatic problem solvers. And tell me, tell me your thoughts on that. Do you think that Washington can learn a lot from our cities? Well, absolutely. I really think that most of our issues, period, are not partisan. You know, and and in cities, it's certainly that way. In counties, and you know that from your experience yeah. in the past, Congressman. But uh, yeah, certainly, so many things. You know, um, you know, roads projects are not partisan. You know, water projects are not partisan. Uh, there are so many things that we uh, that we literally live or die by, uh, or without that that absolutely uh, we can reach across the aisle and work together on. So you've, I'm sure, as mayor, I, you know, I, I tell people it doesn't get more difficult than mayor, especially with some of the controversies you face. If you face, if you've been through a land hearing or a homelessness issue, you know controversy more than anybody in Congress could ever uh, understand. Tell me, can you, off the top of your head, can you come up with a tough issue that you've had to deal with as mayor and, and how you've addressed it? Well. Uh Gosh, which one? You know, um, you know, probably one of the things that we are working on uh, that is that has been the toughest. You know, we've historically had quite low wages in Washington County, and we're still we've got a, still a ways to go. Uh, we're we've been under eighty percent of the state average in terms of wages, and as you probably remember, Congressman, Utah's been about eighty percent of the national wages. Yeah. So. We're creeping up a little bit, but we're still, you know, 80 or low 80s. And so that's one of the things that, um, you know, as we try to and have tried to diversify our economy over the last even 20 years, 
prior to me being in public office, it's been how can we get into light manufacturing? We don't have rail in Washington County, so we do everything by truck, and so it's more light manufacturing to <clears throat> to accommodate those kinds of industries. But now we've really, in the last number of years, we've seen some tech businesses starting, and so we're really trying to take that on and take advantage of the great asset owned by the citizens of Washington County, St. George, specifically, in the old airport site. Mm -hmm. So we've been working for literally years, especially the last three or four years, to uh, try to repurpose that land, to do an RFP, to get proposals for someone to partner with us to buy that land and to develop it creating really an extension of our downtown that would be focused on and kind of develop a a tech ecosystem. So up there, uh, we will find soon, in addition to Dixie Technical College, we will find private uh, office buildings uh, that will house tech companies. First our own, but then we hope that there'll be others from the northern Utah and from outside of Utah that will choose to either locate satellite, satellite offices or you know, maybe move someday and come onto that 150 acres of prime property overlooking every, views, great views in every way, you know, a, a paved bike path around the, the top, the top perimeter of the ridge, as well as going off the back side. side we hope to have some, you know, uh, mountain bike trails and so forth to really make it an opportunity for live, work, play. You know, some condos and townhomes, apartments up there um, that will hopefully cater to those who want to be uh, working at those companies and for for those companies. And we'll also have some hotels, motels, you know, resort kinds of things up there, too. So that is what I would call a, a big and an important issue uh, for St. George and Washington County that we're taking on and doing the very best we can rather than just selling that and turning it into, you know, our 110 you know, residential. We yeah. thought, here's how we can put this to work for the owners, the citizens of our city. Mm-hmm. So my family and I, we vacation in St. George a lot. It's great, close getaways, as yep. do a lot of people, yep. right? Um, but you talk about, um, so I, I think this just shows the DNA of a mayor, right? So St. George is one of the fastest growing cities yes, in the is. country. Yep. Um, and that's happening whether you want it to or not. That's right. Um, what you're trying to do is channel it into things that will lift your community. So it, it could be housing. It could be second homes for yep. people who just want a vacation there. Second yep. home, as much as we, we we don't own a second home, but we love to vacation in St. George. Vacationers don't make good residents. They don't vote. Right. They don't care about your schools. Right. They don't care about, you know, investing and paying in your infrastructure. So, But you're approaching this as what, what industries can you bring to raise the wages? Uh, we talked um, before I turned on the recorder about water and electricity. Yep. And, and so you're thinking about, you know, these, this growth is going to need water. It's going to yep. need electricity. You talk about recreation. One of the things that makes St. George such a, such a desirable place to live are the great hiking trails and right. biking trails. And you really are an incredible community to any, almost anybody can ride out their front door and bike to amazing, beautiful scenery year round. Um, I think that's, that's what a mayor does, right? I mean, you're, these are issues, electricity, water, 
bike trails aren't Republican or Democrat. They just make right. sense for your community. They do. I mean, you know, and the trails you mentioned, you know, we will add some of those this year and complete some, you know, missing links, as we call them. And we'll be doing that well into the future. And we have some wonderful parks. We have an all-abilities park we built a couple of yeah. years ago. And all those things are great, but without the things you mentioned, without public safety, without water, without, you know, good um, transportation corridors and transit, um, you know, it, it, you lose mm-hmm. your day-to-day quality of life if you're not careful. So I want to just ask you last thing, and I know you've got to rush off to another meeting here, but one of the issues that we're talking about in Congress is raising the minimum wage. So you talked about wages Mm-hmm. Uh, in St. George being mm-hmm. an issue. And I'd love for you to tell me, as I'm, as I'm contemplating how I would vote on this, what would it do to your community if we passed a, a nationwide $15 an hour minimum wage? Well, you know, we would all love to have wages be higher, but I would be very concerned about that being imposed. And I have this come up, you know, as yeah. a mayor, as yeah. I'm sure you did, mm-hmm. and you do now, but I would be very concerned about it. We're, you know, we are in competition uh, with our neighbors. Uh, we are very close to the border of Nevada, obviously, and and uh, I, I think it would be dangerous for to for us to have the government impose that rather than let the free market decide where those uh, wages ought to be. And I've seen the wages go up. Here we are right now, really in a you know full employment, really strong economy. And everyone that wants a job just about in Washington County has one. Mm-hmm. And it has its in itself raised wages. Mm-hmm. And so that, that's the market for me, and I'd prefer to see it stay that way. So if we impose a, a nationwide minimum wage, it may send some of the tech businesses you're trying to recruit, and that may send them back to Silicon right. Valley, right? Right. So I would rather not do that, and I'd rather not send them overseas either. Yeah, right. You know, so, and we see more of that all the time anyway. So, yeah, I would rather, as much as possible, I'm a free market guy. I'd like to see it, you know, respond that's, that way. That's a great perspective. All right. Thank you, Mayor Pike. Thank you, Congressman. So I'm talking with Mark Shepard, who is the mayor of Clearfield, Utah. And Mark, you're here in Washington for the National League of Cities. So the National League of Cities, oops, we just had breakfast, so there's some silverware. Um, National League of Cities is an organization where mayors and city council members come together a couple times a year, right, to mm-hmm. compare notes, talk about what, uh, what issues you're working on both in your cities, but also uh, you're here for the Washington Conference where you're talking about what... Um, and how you relate with Washington as well and what Washington can maybe do for our cities. So part of the premise of this podcast that I've been doing is to talk about, um, you know, Washington can learn a lot from our cities and especially from our mayors who, you know, you're a Republican, you're conservative, I'm a Democrat. We, you know, may not see eye to eye on every issue, but there's just something, I think, in the DNA about a mayor. And so we just finished having breakfast, but I want to maybe talk a little bit about DNA of a mayor and what Washington can learn from how mayors operate and how you run your government, your city government, and how that might apply. What I could learn, uh, you know, I've, it's only it hasn't been that long since I've been a mayor, but <laughs> what things would you want me to remember about local government and what works in local government? What what can Washington learn from uh, from local government? Well, I think more than anything, just talking. Uh, it, th- there's always differences. I've learned with my council that we're we're very different people. We come from different backgrounds. We have different mentalities and different views of the future of our city. But we talk them out. Yeah. Uh, we, we don't take a, a, a one side or another side of it. It's, it's let's discuss things all together. Um, what do you feel about this and why? And, and I've come to realize many times that I might be wrong. Mm-hmm. I, I'm going to fight for my position because I, I, I honestly believe 
and that there's things that I should fight for. But there's times that I shouldn't. And there's times that I should look across that room and say, you know what, maybe they've got a better idea than I do. And I can't always be right. And if they do have a better idea, then we get that idea together and we vet it out and come up with what is best for my city, not what's best for me. And I see a lot of that that ought to be learned in Washington, that what's best for the country. What do we do as a, as a Congress as a whole? How do we fix things for this country? That's where the National League, I think, is coming in now as we start pitching for infrastructure and what's best for the country. Well, the best thing for the country is that somehow we come up with an infrastructure bill that, that fixes our infrastructure. Republicans agree on it. Democrats agree on it. They've all said that. The president has said it even in his initial run. We need a, an infrastructure bill. And yet we're still not there. And I think a lot of that goes back to remembering where we come from and going back to a city council and looking at a city council. I think you can learn from potholes on the road that we have an infrastructure problem. And whether it's a, a bumpy ride to work, getting onto the base, traffic jammed up everywhere it can, we have a problem. Anyone that's had a water issue lately knows that there, there's issues we've got to fix. That's what Washington needs to learn from us is go back to your roots and remember where you came from and it's not about you. It's it's about the country. It's me. It's about my city. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the things that, you know, whether you're liberal, conservative, moderate, uh, one of the things that I think is written into the DNA of a mayor is just a, a commitment to pragmatism. You know, mm-hmm. you, may, you may approach a, a solution from a conservative or a liberal or a moderate point of view, but at the end of the day, you're willing to uh, be pragmatic enough to, to listen to somebody who's different and to try and forge that. Um, I, you know, I think there's one thing, a couple of things with listening. First of all, like you said, somebody may have a better idea and recognizing that there may be better ideas out there than the idea that's in your head right now. But there's also the notion of, I just want to get something done. Mm-hmm. And if compromising gets something done, whether it's investment in our roads and bridges, I'm willing to compromise. Um, one of the um, one of the things that I thought was interesting that we talked about over breakfast too is you've had somebody come to speak to the National League of Cities about about infrastructure and talked about a commitment to infrastructure, but then didn't didn't feel that it needed to be paid for. You know how how are you going to fund an infrastructure? If we're investing billions of dollars in our country's roads and bridges, and just adding that onto the national debt. As a mayor, you have to balance your budget. Talk about fiscal responsibility and your views on that, too. Yeah, I, I, I wish that was something that Washington understood. The most important thing that Washington can be doing right now is balancing a budget and actually having a budget. These continuing resolutions on a regular basis are, are a problem. If we didn't balance our budget as a city, we'd be in trouble. And we zero base. We look at everything every year and say, okay, start from scratch. Every department, justify the need that you have. Just because you got a million dollars last year doesn't mean you get a million dollars this year. Mm -hmm. What do you need? And justify every penny of it. And let's cut from there. Let's cut unnecessary programs. Let's cut things that we don't we don't need to be spending money on. We have to be able to pay for things, not just tack things onto the debt. And I worry that that's kind of where we are in Washington. Is just figure out a way to pay for it. Maybe it'll pay for itself. Uh, Certainly, if we invest money in roads, it'll just take care of itself. Well, that's not a way to. It's not a good way to govern. It's 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 very impractical way and, and not. Uh, it, I'm losing the word I'm looking for, but it's certainly not taking care of the of, of the, the citizens of this country. So there's a little bit of tension between, and I'm with you, but the notion that we've got to invest in our roads and bridges, our communities mm-hmm. have crumbling infrastructure, we've got to do something about that, 
and at the same time, you've got to balance the budget, right? And mm-hmm. those there's some tension between major investments in roads and bridges and cutting expenditures on the government side. And one of the things that you know I remember from serving as mayor is, and maybe Mayor 101 is learning how to make hard decisions. This is a hard decision, balancing the budget and investing in key services like infrastructure. That's what mayors have learned to do. Right? Yes. You, you, to thrive and succeed as a mayor, you've got to learn to make some really hard decisions. Well, we understand what the role of government is. And, and that there are very, very small purposes of government as a whole. And on a city level, it's infrastructure, it's security, uh, and, and it's a way of life. You know, making sure that your residents are, are live in a community that's, that's livable and that they can enjoy. There's some, some peace of home there. But we're there to provide security and we're there to provide infrastructure. Mm-hmm. That's the major role of government at a local level. And really, that's the major role of government at a national level. Mm-hmm. Infrastructure's got to be one of our major, major priorities. Security's the other. You know, if we can provide safety and security for the citizens of this country, as well as infrastructure for their for their roads, for their sewers, for their their water lines, we're, we're doing a lot. But you got to pay for it, and you got to find a way to pay for it. Yeah. And so there's your challenge as my representative is to yeah. say, okay, yeah. <laughs> you, you find a way to tack that on. Yeah. Yeah. I would I would tell my staff when I was mayor that one of the best compliments that people can give us is they don't know what we do. Because if they aren't thinking about crime because the community's safe and they're not thinking about roads because they're well-maintained and they're not thinking about food contamination because their food supply is safe, if you can keep the regulations low enough and the intrusion of government low enough that it, it goes unnoticed by people, but they're able to live their lives and enjoy their families and the pursuit of happiness without even giving us a second thought, then we've succeeded. I got in trouble that with it for saying that almost that exact same thing with the council years ago. I told them that one of the greatest compliments that I could have was an empty chamber at a yeah, council meeting right. because that meant nobody was upset. Yeah. We hadn't done anything so bad that somebody was there yelling about it. I wasn't getting phone calls. Well, that meant we were doing things right, and we should be happy when that happens. And the answer was, no, 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 we need to reach out more. We need to dig more to find out more. Well, that's good. It's good to understand people's problems. But uh, yeah. I don't want to create them. Yeah, that's right. I mean, we always want an open door. We want, you know, any, any mayors have been through zoning hearings, which mm-hmm. I think is another rite of passage that would be beneficial to Congress. But, yes. You know, by that standard of people being satisfied, Congress isn't doing very well. No, no. <laughs> I mean, if, if we had to hold truth and taxation hearings at a congressional yeah. level, we'd, uh, we'd be in a heap of trouble. Yeah, yeah. Because any mayor that's gone through a truth and taxation hearing because they need to raise taxes. Yeah. Or they've got to uh, rearrange things to pay for something. Uh, Tell me maybe the, some of the, one of the toughest decisions you've made as mayor. Does anything come to mind? Yeah. Probably one of the best decisions, though. Uh, this past year, we purchased a mobile home park, uh, which was a, a potential political nightmare. Um, we had residents, a, residents are because concerned, there were, right? There were 50 residents in that mobile home park, although it was a mobile home park of about 200 people or 200 uh, trailers uh-huh. that were in that mobile home park. Fifty of them, roughly, were habitable, and and that that was a stretch to call them habitable for those fifty people. It was in a part of redeveloping our downtown, and we really felt that uh, I, as a mayor, felt that we really needed to to take this on, and so we had to bond to purchase the mobile home park, and uh, and then know that we were going to have to take fifty people out of their homes. Uh, and what a horrible decision as a mayor to say. some sleep over that? I, I did. In fact, I sat down with staff and said, we're not doing this unless we do it right. And there's no way to do it 
right without somehow screwing something up. You just do yeah. it. There was no in situation then. But no, we sat down with every one of those residents of that mobile home park and had to break that news to them that, by the way, we just purchased your your park. And they were all but one of them renters. So technically, we didn't have any obligation other than a 30-day notice to say, yeah. get out. Um, we bonded for enough to actually give them some assistance to get them into a new place. So in many things, we, we took care of down payments for them to get into a new home. Um, in one, we ended up buying her trailer and finding her something else uh, so that she could get into it to a new trailer. Uh, a terrible decision to make as a mayor just because politically it's, it could be suicide. Yeah. Um, with not just your own residents, but the ACLU, the uh, everybody to say we're, yeah. we're we're taking people out of houses and in an, in an environment where we're looking at affordable housing and homelessness and how do we take care of those things to say well we're going to take fifty people and pull them out it was a it was a terrible decision to have to make but it was one that as a mayor you look to the future of your city. And what does this do? And so I, I recommended to council that the first couple of buildings that are built in there be, be built with Litech, um, so that low we can do some low-income tax credits so that we can put some lower-income people in there mm-hmm. and still create a beautiful downtown and, and make that work. So I guess maybe another element of, in the DNA of a mayor is you looked at the future and what was good for your community and took a huge risk knowing that this could end your political career, yeah. Um, but you care about your community, mm-hmm. and you want your community to succeed. You yeah. Know? And and I faced some similar issues when I was mayor too. That uh, you have to put your own self interest aside, and uh, and do what's right for the future, right? And as my wife always says, well, what's the worst that could happen? You could win your next election. So, <laughs> <laughs> so true. Yeah. Um, but you know, I guess maybe hardwired in the, in the DNA, or maybe it's experience, but. Um, I see this in you. I've watched you as mayor. Um, you know, we represent different parts of the state of Utah, but um, mayors get to know each other, right? And, and I've watched your service through the news, and I've admired you as somebody who's willing to make hard decisions at your own peril because you believe it's right for your community. And you don't make a lopsided decision either. You know, I think you no. you made a compassionate decision. You also made a fiscally responsible decision. You made the decision that was right for your community. And... Um, you took what was a lose-lose and made it a win-win. Yeah, I, I think so. I think it turned out to be a very good situation for both us, obviously, moving forward as a city. And I think that's the hardest part is to look forward and to be able to see 20, 30 years from now that the decisions you're making today may not affect things today. The repercussions yeah. are, are 20 and 30 years down the road, and what does that look like that far down the road? And that's how we try to make every decision is what are we doing for the future? I think every every mayor I've ever talked to, every council member I've ever talked to, when they're asked, you know, what do you what do you look at, um, you know, what what do you want to accomplish as a, as a mayor, and the answer I hear way too often is, I, I just want to leave it better than when I found it, and it, to me that was never my goal, and never will be. Uh, my goal is to change the city. Uh, I, this needs to be a different place. Uh, I want people to know when they left Sunset or Roy, and when they showed up in Layton after driving through Clearfield, and on a good note, to be able to look and go, wow, that's different. Something has changed. And it's nice to hear that from your residents, to have them say, Mark, this is a whole different city. There's so many good things going on. This is this is amazing. That's the best compliment you could probably ever give me, is to say, wow, um, I love what you're doing. And, and it's not for me. 
Uh, it's because my family's here and my friends are here and I want them to live in a city they can love. We need that here. Mm-hmm. We need to be able to have, as a country, to be able to say we love here. You know, we love the United States and way too often I think lately we hear different. We hear, wow, I'm embarrassed. Or, wow, our Congress is doing this. Or, or so-and-so is doing this. And, and I don't, I disagree with those things. And it doesn't matter what side of the aisle you sit on. We've got to make the country better. We've got to be able to look at this and say, how do we fix this place? Well, Mayor, that's leadership right there. And uh, I, Washington could certainly use a lot more of that. So thank you for sharing with us what the characteristics of a leader really are. Well, thanks, Congressman. I appreciate it. Yeah. It may be that most issues facing Americans are not partisan, but Washington seems to be able to make even the most universal problems partisan. You know, it is a place where sound bites are king, and people who are good at speaking in 140 characters or a TV soundbite really are the ones who have a lot of power in Washington. And the policy wonks, the people who, you know, listen and want to understand and then find a middle ground that can get broad-based support, that doesn't go viral. That's a boring approach to boring problems. Many times the problems that negatively impact people's lives are kind of boring. It is infrastructure, and it's lowering the cost of prescription drugs, and it is expanding access to health care. Those don't fit very well into a soundbite. They don't fit very well into a tweet. And really to, to move the needle on these things, you've got to get buy-in from both parties. And I think too often we get distracted by the hashtag or the soundbite, And that consumes the news cycle. So the question becomes, does Congress have the ability or the will to deal with issues like infrastructure, which is so vital when it doesn't grab headlines? A lot of the moderates who got elected just to be problem solvers are talking about infrastructure. Their their districts want to fix traffic congestion and transit. And, you know, a, a couple of the moderates that I work with from New Jersey were elected. And one of their big things that they campaigned on was this tunnel from New Jersey to Manhattan. And so, you know, most districts have several key infrastructure projects that people want to get done. And they want to send people to Congress who are going to do that. The challenge, I think, is when you talk about infrastructure, you got to pay for it somehow. These are challenging times in Washington, and our problems were caused by Republicans and Democrats. It's going to take all of us to fix it. I want to thank you for listening to Washington. What I'd really love to hear is from you. To follow this journey, subscribe for free on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, the KSL Radio app, and anywhere you find interesting podcasts. To be part of this experiment in making the world's most powerful city responsive to citizens, please email me at tips at loudmouthproject.com. I'm Tom Luma, and this has been Washington. We'd like to thank the village that made this episode possible. Andrea Smartin, Amy Donaldson, Allison Heron, Danny Akana, and of course, Congressman Ben McAdams. A special thanks to this episode's guest, Clearfield, Utah Mayor Mike Shepard, and St. George, Utah Mayor John Pike. 